Hello, everyone, and welcome to Downsizing, the podcast where we try and figure out when the office actually ended, because everyone would have been fired. My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 2, Weight Loss, Part 2. In this episode, Michael continues his pursuit of Holly, a disgraced employee returns, and Jim and Pam have lunch. This episode is very much a mirror image of the previous episode, which makes sense because, like it was stated in our last episode, this episode and episode one aired as one episode originally. And I feel like that this episode is full of just kind of B-roll material because not a whole lot happens in it. We get one major development, but pretty much everything from these two combined episodes, a lot of the meat happens in the first episode. We get kind of a just catch up on some of the threads that were left from the previous season, and this episode really continues that, but without much detail. We do start off with an update on the weight loss contest. It's not going well for any of the branches, and so as motivation, corporate up the prize to five paid vacation days instead of three. So Holly jokes that if they stay fat long enough, they might get a month off work. The weekly weigh-ins are still a way for Michael to try to connect with Holly. And as we saw at the end of the previous episode, Holly had a date with the yoga instructor that Oscar set her up with. And Oscar asked, you know, hey, how'd it go? Holly said it went really well. The only bad thing is she got a red wine stain on her favorite shirt. And Michael really freaks out. Yeah, he is right behind them as this conversation is happening. And when Holly says that the date went well, Michael just makes this like exasperated noise. And both Holly and Oscar turn to Michael and is like, are you okay? And Michael just can't think of anything to play off the noise that he just made. Again, for somebody that is as into improv as Michael is, he's really bad at improv. Michael takes his frustration out on Jim because the only reason Holly is on this date with the yoga instructor in Michael's mind is because he followed Jim's advice. Michael says that this is just not his typical seduction method. Jim knows that and he should have been lovers with Holly first, then friends. And he's really concerned that he sort of put himself into the friend zone with Holly. As the weekly weigh-ins go by, however, Holly's budding relationship seems to hit a roadblock. The yoga instructor has not called, and it's been three days, and Holly got a little bit excited, and she bought Counting Crows tickets as a surprise. This is quite the third date, I guess. I mean... That's a big third date. Yeah, like a... a I can't imagine that those tickets were cheap. And Holly even shows later in the episode like how good of tickets they were. So Holly seems to be kind of jumping all in on this thing. And this is just one of those kind of sign of the times things because 
texting is a thing at this time, but it's not the level it is now. And so, like, you would think that Holly would have picked up on this if, like, the texts were either not happening or becoming, like, kind of short. Right. And there'd be, like, a kind of a disinterested feel from this guy. So, I mean, I think that even, like, three days isn't that big of a deal at this point. Right. I mean, part of the issue for Holly is that he promised he was going to call and has not done so. So she's getting the vibe of being ghosted. Michael really feigns a lot of interest. I mean, I guess he's not really feigning it. He is very interested, but he feigns encouragement. Oh, just give him a little bit of time. Don't worry. He'll definitely call. Trying to build her up. At the final weigh-in, Holly still has not heard back from the yoga instructor. She's really bummed about the Counting Crows ticket. She said she really wanted to go. She seems trying to hint to Michael that maybe they should go together. Michael says that he'll buy the tickets from her. She accepts, and then Michael tears them up in front of her, saying, like, let it go, be free, and then says that he has an ATM limit, so he'll have to pay her back tomorrow. As Antoinette stated before, the weight loss competition is not going well for anyone. And so, because corporate has upped the prize for the winner, the Scranton office has felt the need to up the ante in trying to win the competition. And things aren't going all that well for them. At one way in we see, it is shown that the office has not lost any weight whatsoever. And this makes people just kind of edgy. Like, they are now kind of starting to turn on people. And it's like, all right, I, I know I'm working hard. Who isn't working hard? And Andy really goes all in on this and saying he wants names as to who is not pulling their weight, for lack of a better term. And Andy has a very odd mindset when it comes to competitions. Andy Bernard does not lose contests. He wins them or he quits them because they're unfair. Dwight appoints himself as someone that's going to solve this problem. He gets up and says, you know, I'm hardly the problem. As Jim points out, it could be him. But Dwight says, I'm hardly the problem. I'm going to randomly select three people and they should get bariatric surgery and pay for their own medical expenses. And he just happens to name off Phyllis, Stanley, and Kevin, who are probably of the three heavier individuals at the Scranton brand. Taking this a step further, Dwight sets up a ruse in which he comes to Phyllis and says that there is a big sale. It's a two-man job. He wants her help on it as a way to apologize for suggesting that she get bariatric surgery. Phyllis agrees to this, and then a few beats later, we see her storm back into the office. Her hair's a mess. She looks pretty sweaty, and she is irate. And it turns out there was no sales call. Dwight decided to drive her to a bad part of town and push her out of the car so that she would be forced to walk the five miles back to the office without any phone or purse. Dwight's response is, 
oh my gosh, think of all the calories that you burned in doing this. This is enough for Phyllis to get David Wallace on the phone. And this is kind of what I was talking about in the previous episode to where this is now getting a little into troubled water territory. We are definitely seeing the slippery slope of a contest like this. Usually with something like this, if there is any prize at all, I know that when I have done one of these before, there's, I don't believe there's a prize. I think it was just bragging rights. Usually it's like, it's so much money to participate and then the winner just gets the pool or right. something. Yeah. And so corporate giving, say the branch $200 or whatever to throw a party for mm-hmm. the branch is probably the better move here rather than five vacation days, which equals thousands of dollars, I'm sure. It would be pretty coveted as that's why people are really going for it. Absolutely. So the measures that people go to in order to win this prize are going to start getting steeper and steeper. And because of Dwight's actions, we see the natural response from corporate, which is, hey, take it easy here. You know, this is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be healthy. We don't want people partaking in unhealthy habits just to get five vacation days. Holly is reading off this official corporate statement. They do take a break from the weigh-ins for a week, I will say, but then seemingly go back to it. So really all the response from corporate was just sort of to double down and like, hey, we told you at the beginning that this should be done healthily. You know, don't push the limits in a bad way here. We support health. As Holly's trying to pass along this message, Michael wants to have his own seminar. He has apparently bought, not rented, the sumo suits from the season three beach games, and he half-inflated one of them to do a character called Michael Klump. And as Kevin and Oscar point out, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because that's Michael's character for making fun of heavier people. For the sake of Holly, I'm sure, Michael has flipped this character into a celebration of bigger people. He has his standard ridiculous photos that he hangs on the wall. One is of the Stave Puff Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. One is of Elvis. One's it, of just a pig. One is Jabba the Hutt. Yes, and another's a pig. One is, I think, Eddie Murphy, or or I think it's Tyler Perry as, like, Medea. No. no. Medea would not have existed at this oh, point. Oh, you're right. It is definitely Eddie Murphy from The Nutty Professor, yes. which, of course, is the character Michael is playing here. I've never Klump seen that. Is, yes, okay. Professor Klump is the name of... Eddie Murphy's character in The Nutty Professor. I tried to watch that movie once and I just had to give up. It's pretty good. I was like 10, so. Yeah, I enjoy it. So Michael's giving this conference room meeting. It's pretty similar to the age one that he did uh, in the last season. It's really not going anywhere. No, no important information is conveyed from Michael. Holly took care of that all. Yes. At one point, 
Michael's trying to emphasize the health aspect of it, and he asks Kelly to get up on a chair. Because Kelly, as you'll recall from the previous episode, she was engaged in really unhealthy dieting practices like a cleanse or a worm or just going to like very extreme like fasting measures. So Michael's trying to encourage her to leave all this behind, just be healthy, and in doing so, he asks everyone to name off something they like about her, specifically her body, which kind of defeats the point. Like there is sort of a line in which you're like, okay, I appreciate my body for all the things that it can do, but also there's so much more to me as a person besides just my outward physical appearance. So Michael's like, you know, what do people like about about Kelly? And Meredith, that's my favorite one, Meredith says, I like her nails. Michael's response is, okay, be more specific. Okay, I like her fingernails. <laughs> We get to the final day of the weight loss challenge and we learn that the Scranton branch has come up just short. They are eight pounds heavier than the Utica branch. And Michael is pretty bummed by this, but he kind of has this spark of inspiration and says, and asks Holly, hey, can we get one more weigh in by the end of the day? We can lose eight pounds in a day. Which is kind of absurd. I mean, again, but this is, again, distributed amongst like 12 people. So that's only like, what, quarter of a pound each? Like three-fourths of a pound each-ish? But the reason they're weighing in in the mornings is because you're lightest in the morning. Sure. you haven't been eating all day. Yeah. So they, again, go to some pretty extreme measures in order to lose this weight Jim says he is leaving for a lunch call. Michael says he can only have water. <laughs> Andy starts a sweat lodge in the office by just cranking up the heat in the office. And we see multiple people wearing trash bags around their clothes in order to just, again, to kind of get out all the water weight and sweat out as much weight as they can. This does turn out to be all for naught, though, as... The office is still short, but everybody seems to take it kind of in stride. Michael addresses everyone and says, hey, we can't be disappointed. We all lost weight. We should feel good about ourselves for at least doing that. We should feel good about ourselves for at least doing that. Included in this episode are a couple of just stray storylines. We do see the return of Ryan. At the beginning of the episode, Michael says that Ronnie just wasn't working out. She was too blah in his words. And so apparently Ryan reached out to Michael to help him move back to Scranton. And so when he heard that, Michael called the temp agency that I guess Ryan reapplied to or whatever and said that he wanted Ryan back in the office. So Ryan is the new receptionist. I am shocked, and David Wallace probably doesn't know, but I am shocked that no one had any objections to the man who just seemingly got arrested for corporate fraud is now back working at the company. That's a really good point. Ryan has created a hit list, essentially. Pretty much. He says that 
when he is back on top, he said he is making this list so that when he is back on top, all the people that wronged him and said he couldn't do it will have to pay for it. Included on this list now is Jim because Ryan tries to bury the hatchet. And this is really one of my favorite scenes in all of The Office. It's pretty well done. Ryan tries to bury the hatchet, says, hey, sorry how I treated you. I've, I've done a lot of reflection because of all the community service I'm doing. And Jim points out that that was court-ordered <laughs> community service. And Ryan says, I don't need a judge to tell me to clean up my community. And Jim points out, but one did, though. Kevin also makes the list by calling Ryan fired guy, uh, which is about as clever as kind of Kevin can manage. But that's enough of a slight. It reminds me of Michael Jordan in The Last Dance, if anyone watched that documentary in the spring, in which any perceived or made up slight was just enough to get that person on the list. And Ryan is convinced that he's going to make it to the top. Ryan also apologizes to Kelly and is, seems a little bit surprised to learn that Kelly is still dating Daryl. And Kelly says that they're crazy in love. And she actually has a pretty mature response to kind of keeping her distance from Ryan, which is a little bit surprising for Kelly. We also get a check-in with another relationship, and that is the engagement between Andy and and Angela, things actually seem to be going really well. We see one conversation between Andy and Angela, and Angela seems very, very excited about this conversation. She is still kind of sorry for how demanding she has been during the planning process, but she does have one more favor to ask of Andy, and that is that her favorite song, The Little Drummer Boy, be their first dance and Andy's like yeah that's great it's a great song it's bigger than Christmas <laughs> and he says that here comes treble already knows the song yes Andy would like here comes treble class of 96 to be his wedding band and it is quite a list Andy's nickname by the way is boner champ but there's Broccoli Rob, Lunchbox, Pork Chop, and Sandwich, amongst others. Carl 1, Carl 2, Puby Lewis in the News. <laughs> Puby Lewis in the News is my favorite. And Angela's like, I don't know. I'm not really sure I want your old acapella group to be our wedding band. Andy says that's a deal breaker for him. Yeah, Andy is really dropping a lot on Angela in this moment because he states that not only has he booked them for their wedding band, they are all going to be collectively his best man and that they are crashing with them for three weeks after the wedding. And so when Angela says that that's a no for her and Andy says that this is a deal breaker, Angela goes back to her old ways and pages Dwight. Yes, just the mention of the Cornell acapella group is enough to be like, okay, I tried. I tried. I was making the effort here and I can't do this. Silver lining though, 
Angela and Dwight probably burned some extra calories for the weigh-in <laughs> later. So, I mean, that probably helped a little. I guess. Last stray observation is a quick check-in to Toby. Toby is in a Costa Rican hospital. He has been for most of the summer after a terrible zip lining accident on his third day in the country in which he broke his neck. How the camera crew found him is unclear. But the big moment of this episode and really of the series so far involves Jim and Pam. During the check-ins with Jim, Throughout this episode, he just does not seem to be in a very good mood. There's a very random one-on-one with him where he is explaining how his summer has gone. He says that he just sat through a two-hour conference with Michael Klump, and he has a pain forming in his side. But most importantly, he hasn't seen Pam in 10 days. And so you get the feeling that Jim just is kind of wearing thin on the long-distance relationship that they have gotten themselves into. That doesn't seem helped by the fact that Pam's really settling in at Pratt, which is great. She seems to have made some friends. And we see a couple scenes of her giggling and joking uh, with a couple of these friends and one guy in particular. And at one point, Jim calls her to talk and Pam says, hey, I got to call you back. I think I've made friends. And because they're kind of joking and she doesn't want to be taken away uh, from that situation. So towards the end of the episode, it's the last day of the weight loss competition. Jim's on the phone with Pam and she's asking if they're still on for the weekend. It turns out Jim is probably going to have to go to his nephew's t-ball game. Dwight's listening in on their conversation. So Jim decides to switch to IM. And he asked Pam to meet him for lunch, saying, let's meet at 1 o'clock. You'll definitely be back for your 4 o'clock class. We'll meet halfway. He says that they should meet at the rest stop where a soda exploded on him at exit 17. So they pull up. It's pouring down rain. They get to this gas station. Pam is joking with Jim about how she had to go so much further than he did. And Jim has zero response except to drop to one knee and pull out a ring and ask Pam to marry him. And Pam, of course, is in disbelief and she says yes. And so the big event that pretty much has been building since episode one of this series, you could argue that maybe the first season doesn't really count for all that so basically since the very beginning of season two happens in the rain in front of a gas station curtis what did you think of this proposal eh why jim made a big deal about how it had to be just this special moment it had to be the right moment and then he ends up proposing in front of a gas station and i understand the surprise of it all but like if he really wanted to do it and have it be a big thing like i said before he could have just created that yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it was it was sort of, like he says, I just can't wait. It was sort of this feeling that overcame him. But yeah, and of course it's going to be momentous for them. It's a big moment in any relationship. And so that's going to be just something, obviously, that they 
remember. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with you in some sense. I think there's something to be said for like, I, I just want this to be happen. And that's how it works for some couples. But yeah, he had paid for fireworks and this big carnival thing. And that's very different. It doesn't make it better or worse, but that's very different than what came to fruition. I may be speaking in generalities here because I know this was the case with you and I, and I am sure it is the case with Jim and Pam. They both know. Right. We both knew. Right. And so... It wasn't so much about the gesture as yes, the milestone. Yes, exactly. Like, but in, in Pam is surprised that Jim is proposing right then and there yes she can't be surprised that jim is proposing in general for sure no one let's just say this psa no one should be surprised that you're proposing in general it should not be a surprise for sure and so in this case especially the proposal doesn't change anything pam is not all of a sudden going to be with Jim, Jim is not going to go move to New York. Right. This doesn't change anything for them. It's just a moment that happened. And so, especially in that case, Jim could have made something happen. If he if he was just like, I don't want to wait anymore, then plan something for the next weekend or whatever. Like, Also, there's only four weeks at this point until she returns. I think we were into week eight of the contest so that's another thing like they're on week eight of 12 right so all in all i am glad i could ruin this moment for you i know that you (laughs) really like had this high in your moments of office history and i'm glad i could bring that down for you and make you see reality thanks (laughs) i I sort of like that it was a private proposal. I mean, it did not seem as though Jim had something planned like Andy did where he took the mic. Like, theirs was a private with people around. There's an example of somebody being surprised by a proposal. Yes. And I am not yucking anyone's yum as far as public proposals. Definitely not something that would have been my thing. I think it works for the right person. It just sometimes seems like it did for Andy where everyone else is sort of standing there awkwardly (laughs) that may not actually be involved uh, like in the event. But for some people, they're just glad to be able to celebrate right then and there with their, you know, friends and loved ones. And so that's important to them. So that does it for this episode. So let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find out any fun facts about the episode. So the only fun fact I have pertains to the proposal scene. It was actually the most expensive scene in the history of the show. It cost $250,000 because Greg Daniels, the showrunner, felt that this needed to just be grand I don't fully understand, though, the reasoning behind that amount of money. That wasn't a real gas station. That was built just for that scene. And all the cars going around, those are obviously extras. That was fake rain. Like, that was a production choice. That was, like, a script choice to have the the rain. 
so to me that just seems like I know it's memorable it's like in the rain and whatever but that's just a weird Hollywood trope like no one likes standing in the rain right yeah so yes it's memorable it happened that you know this place that I guess had some meaning because a soda exploded on Jim and it was funny and kind of like brings you back to the tea kettle and and those small moments of their relationship but the fact that the production crew spent $250,000 for maybe a, I don't know, 45-second scene does seem a little insane. I know absolutely nothing about TV production and even budgets for shows and things like that, but that seems like a lot. Curtis, did we have any firings? We did. Uh, Dwight gets fired for essentially kidnapping Phyllis. Um, it, that was pretty bad. Yeah, it's his second firing of the season. It's his 13th overall. Creed also gets fired because when Michael has Kelly stand up in front of everybody in the conference room and everybody is complimenting her, Creed takes it a step too far and says that she, Kelly has a hell of an ass. And up until that point, people were saying pretty harmless things and that obviously can't be said. Right. So it is Creed's first firing of this season. It's his fifth overall. Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee is the Hard Knock Life Award, which goes to Andy. At the beginning of the episode, when the office staff is just not losing weight, Andy says, as Curtis pointed out, I need names. And then in a one-on-one with a camera, he says that, this is the hardest thing he's ever had to do in his life, and he hasn't had a very hard life. Also, just think back to the soundbite from previous in which he talks about contests. So, Andy, like he said in his own words, really hasn't had a very hard life. What is your Dundee? My Dundee is the Big Budget Award, and that goes not to the creators of this show for having to make a $250,000 scene, but to the documentary crew who somehow had, like you pointed out, has a crew in Costa Rica yeah. and a crew in New York following right. Pam around. So they clearly have a huge budget for this weird documentary show that they're shooting. That's a very good point. <laughs> who is your employee of the month? I chose Jim and Pam, and I think you did too. Yeah. Just... Since it's a big uh, moment for a couple. Sure. Yep. We'll go with that. Why did you say? That's the same reason. Okay. So that does it for this week's episode. Please follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And keep listening to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Wash your hands. Bye.